0: Here all we did was we renovated the lease, that's it. We took a lease at 290,000 with 11 months left that would have traded a nine cap, the building was worth 3.22 million. And we changed that lease, made a simple amendment to the lease and extended the lease for 10 years, dropped the rent by 65,000 and we just put an extra $620,000 in our pocket.
1: This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host Whitney. Sewell. we're back again today with our guest Dan Lukowitz. and man he, he, we're going to dive back into some examples, a little more in depth about two specific examples where they added value to this uh, this triple net property, and in a way that I bet you haven't seen before, uh, or you've probably not heard of. And whether you're active or passive. Uh, you're going to learn a lot from you know these these tips of the ways that he has helped uh, some people add value before selling, uh, you know th- their their deal. Well, I hope that you listened to yesterday's segment with Dan. Fortunately, we are having him back again today to dive into a few more topics. Yesterday, he laid out his economic outlook, and as you know, I ask everybody on the show, what do you expect to happen, right? And and I hope that you'll go back and listen to Dan and learn from him and his experience. Uh, and just uh, his his group sold uh, 320 properties last year. What forty? plus states. Uh, They have a vast array of experience. Uh, It's pretty incredible. Looking forward to the conversation again today. Dan, welcome back to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here again.
1: You know, yesterday Dan laid out. You know, what is triple net uh, and single net, double net? What does that mean exactly? Uh, And and yeah, different things that you need to know. And I think as a passive investor or active investor, you need to understand uh, some of the terminology that he laid out yesterday. It's going to help you to be a better informed investor. Uh, Today, I wanted him to dive into a few specific examples. I think that helps the listeners and myself often to be able to just understand it at a deeper level when we can think about a specific property or a couple properties. Uh, But Dan, let's do just that. Uh, Let's dive into a couple properties. Help us get started.
0: Yeah. So I mean, traditionally, people think of triple net as like a set it and forget it pretty cookie cutter vanilla deal, which we can talk about. But I think that, you know, and we will, but you know, I think I think they're pretty straightforward. So, you know, I think about, uh, let's say a Wendy's deal that I sold here in Michigan, that you know has 17 years left on the lease, and it's uh, you know guaranteed by uh, you know a 65 unit operator. There's uh you know one and a half percent annual escalations in the lease. Very straightforward, right? Set it and forget it. You know, not much you have to do. It's absolute triple net, so you don't have to worry about any of the maintenance or the taxes or insurance. So those are like at least from my perspective, the simple standard triple net deals. And I think most people out there believe that that's what triple net is. But I want to talk quickly about kind of two different segments. So I want to talk about both of these are value-add opportunities within TripleNet. I like to talk about them. Not a lot of people are aware about them. One of them is going to be in the single-tenant space. And then if we have time, we'll talk about it in the multi, multi-tenant multi or shopping center space. So single-tenant space, I've got two perfect examples. So uh, one of them is a Walgreens. This, was, this one was in a suburb of Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, short-term Walgreens. So the Walgreens was built by this individual, uh, the, by the owner. And uh, they had run, you know, their, their 20-year lease was, was uh, culminating. There was about, uh, I believe, 11 months left on the lease or 12 months left on the lease. So at that point, high-risk deal because Walgreens may or may not exercise their option. So either you'll continue to get rent from Walgreens or they'll vacate, which is problematic, right? So at this point, because of that inherent risk, this Walgreens deal would have traded at approximately an eight cap. So, I'm not looking at my you know my my numbers or my my notes right now, but i I, I remember this deal having an annual rent from Walgreens of two hundred and ninety thousand dollars. So, if we have two hundred and ninety thousand dollars, all right, and I said this deal was worth an eight cap. It was worth approximately three hundred. I'm sorry, this deal was two hundred and ninety thousand, and we we priced it at a nine cap. So this was about three point two two million. So we'll call it three million two hundred and twenty two thousand dollars. Can right. You just, so that's what the Just like.
1: briefly say how you calculated that, like using oh, your calculator, okay, yeah, just so sorry. like the listener knows how you did that.
0: Yeah. So I took the annual rent, two hundred and ninety thousand dollars, and then I took the cap rate. So the, the market cap rate of a property with that short term of a lease at that time was a, was a nine cap. So I took the two hundred and ninety thousand dollars, I divided it by 0.09. Okay. So just do that again. 290,000 divided by 0.09 gets us to a value. Of $3,222,222.22. So we'll call it $3,222,000. Now, what I advised my client at the time, I said, don't sell this property. You're going to, you're selling, you have all this value here that you're not capitalizing on. I want you to do what's called a blend and extend. This is a very cool thing to do. I think this is cool because my background in real estate investing is as a house flipper, right? So I love taking something that has potential, adding something to that creating value, and then boom, having this equity explosion. That's how I look at single family house flipping. So I look at this Walgreens the same exact way. However, from the outside, no one would ever know. So watch this. So I told them to do, they said, contact Walgreens and tell them you're willing to reduce the rent if they're willing to sign a new 10-year lease. Mm-hmm. And First of all, you would scratch your head and you'd say, whoa, whoa, why would I reduce my rent? That's my income stream. That's my lifeline. Like, how can I reduce that? I'll show you why. So Walgreens came back and said, we are willing to do a blend and extend, but we want to reduce the rent by $65,000 to $225,000, which that hurts to hear, right? $225,000. We'll give you a new 10-year lease. Well, at the time, a 10-year Walgreens like this one with the demographics this one had traded at a 585 cap. So now let's do mm-hmm. our math again. 225000 Okay, that's our annual rent from Walgreens divided by a point, what did I say? 585? I think so. 585. $3,846,153.84. So that is roughly an equity gain of $620,000. So unlike Dan, who was renovating the houses, right? Here, all we did was we renovated the lease. That's it. We took a lease at 290000 with 11 months left, I would have traded a nine cap. The building was worth 3.22 million. And we changed that lease, made a simple amendment to the lease and extended the lease for 10 years, dropped the rent by 65,000. And we just put an extra $620,000 in our pocket. Pretty incredible, right? That That's a incredible. value add strategy called the blend and extent.
1: I mean, that did add value to the buyer as well, right? I mean, having that, the 10 years, uh, you know, additional I mean, that, lease. so So
0: unfortunately for us, the seller's like, oh, this is cool. I've got a 10-year deal. I'm going to hold it. But you know what? If that's wow. what was best for him, that's what is best for him. And that's my job. That's My job is to be an advisor, whether or not it leads to a sale. And the answer to your question is, it depends on how you look at it. From a buyer's right. perspective, yeah, fresh 10-year. If I was the buyer, I would have wanted to buy it somewhere in between and done the blend and extend myself. Right. right. So so I'll give you another example. This is a real-life example going on right now. I touched on this earlier. Burger King property Great location. It sits as an out parcel to a shopping center. An out parcel is basically a piece of real estate that's in the parking lot of a larger piece of real estate. So if you notice, whenever they build a Home Depot, they wait five or 10 years, and then all of a sudden pops up right in the parking lot, a Jimmy John's, a mattress firm, a citizen's bank, something like that. So this is a freestanding single tenant Burger King that's in the parking lot right off the road of a shopping center. So this property is vacant because, unfortunately, the franchisee filed for bankruptcy. And they didn't keep the property in great condition. The seller was you know, an out-of-state seller, never really been to the property, maybe just to buy it in 2007. Um, and now, now they want me to market the property. So property, put the property up for sale, 12, 13 offers on the deal. Buyer ends up going under contract for the property and immediately works with a local leasing broker. The current purchaser is now working with Starbucks. To uh, get them to lease the property from him, he's going to have to put in a substantial amount of tenant improvement dollars. But that's okay; he's got one of the best corporations in the company on the hook for a ten-year lease at a significant rent. Which case he can then relist list the property with me and uh, and sell it for a significant pro- profit. So that's another example. Uh, this would be like you know taking a distressed or vacant property, retenanting it, and then flipping it. This is kind of what might have happened with the Walgreens in the previous example. Had Walgreens vacated, somebody else might've bought it, put a gym in there, you know, put put a dollar store in there, held it or flipped it. But that's another value add strategy. And that's gonna become more and more prevalent as time goes on because a lot of businesses are going out of business, even though they're occupying you know, very strong real estate. Uh, on the other side of things, which is what I alluded to before, was the multi-tenant retail or the shopping center space. I sell a lot of shopping centers. And one of the things that people do is they buy these shopping centers that either have some vacancy and then fill them up, or they have below market rents and they raise the rents on the tenants. They might, ex, uh, you know, expend some uh, TI, some tenant improvement dollars or some, ca- some CapEx capital expenditures, um, you know, get in some better tenants, longer leases, you know, up their rents, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great way to build up a lot of equity, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. Um, and 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 from my perspective, I see a lot of these shopping centers they're owned by what I call respectfully, you know, mom and pop investors who maybe have one or two shopping centers, and they've done a great job with their shopping center over the years. However, they, you know, wanted to keep tenants happy. So they kept the rents low, which is was great for them because they never had a problem collecting that never had to, fill, you know, retenant. But now it presents a tremendous opportunity when they're collecting, let's say, $11 a square foot in rent, and the market is really willing to pay 17 So now a new investor will go in, raise those rents, hold or flip the building, another opportunity for a value add.
1: Yeah. Wow. Some great examples uh, right there. And I've noticed even locally here, uh, for example, there was a large mall that, man, you would have thought it was, it was doomed. I mean, at one time it was, it was doomed, Uh, but then half of it turned into a children's hospital. Yeah, I mean, it's just like you know, they got a really good tenant, right? Local hospital took half of it and and did that, and then all of a sudden, in the parking lot, there's all these <laughs> restaurants popping up, like you're talking about. I mean, nice. a lot of them, right? They weren't there, uh, you know, a year ago, year and a half ago. Now there's a half a dozen restaurants in the parking lot.
0: There you go,
1: for sure, uh, Dan. You know, I, I love the examples too. The the blend and extend. Uh, I think that's something, you know, as even investors that are listening right now that have these types of properties should be thinking through, right? Uh, you know, and, and, you know, you help that. And this is also a great example why you need somebody, an expert like yourself on your team, right? To help think through what, what's going to help us to maximize the value, right? Before we sell, uh, we right. may need to wait three or four months and make a few things happen before, right, we list or before we go to market. Uh, and, and I just think often, you know, as a seller, we can have uh, kind of tunnel vision. Right. And we're just focused on the selling or focused on, Hey, let's go get this done. Uh, and, and we don't take the time to maybe think through the things like you're talking about. Right. And maybe there's a way we could increase the value, uh, and, and that we haven't thought of, you know, by talking to somebody that's an expert like yourself. Yeah. You know, I love the examples, the Wendy's, uh, you talked about Michigan, the Burger King, that's a single standing tenant, uh, any, uh, you know, or I wanted to ask, uh, one other question about something you actually mentioned in the last episode, uh, not not really related to that, but but uh, you know, you mentioned you all sold 320 properties last year, and I wondered how is that, how has that uh, compared to say the year before or even this year where you all are at now?
0: Yeah, so if I look at 2021, I mean, we sold 935 million dollars. I think we sold close to 320 properties. I think it was a drop less. And that was like a huge year for us. And then 2022, all the doom and gloom started coming out. And people were talking about like, you know, I saw an article today that one of the major, major national brokerage, commercial real estate brokerages is at like 5% of their revenue. And articles were coming out last year. I think that Marks and Millichap was going was gonna to be at 13 or 17% of their revenue. And and everyone was like doom and gloom, doom and gloom. And then we had a banner year. We had our best year ever, you know, $985 million, you know, almost a billion dollars in sales, and again, like I, what I want to focus on is like we just we were just named in the top twenty-five brokerages in the world. Um, and if you look at that list, the majority of those brokerages have thousands of agents. We have thirty-seven, so our average agent, you know, is is doing a tremendous amount of volume. You know, which which is great. I like that's why I, I like where I, I like what we're doing because I feel like you know it's the cream of the cream, and you know we're able to work together at a, at a high level. Um, so in terms of where we're going to be for 2023, I'll be honest with you. I took the exact same, uh, mentality that I took when COVID hit, when COVID hit, I talked to a lot of brokers. I had a bunch of listings. I talked to a lot of brokers about my listings and they said, I'm just ducking in a hole. I'm going to write off the rest of this year. And then I'll start back up in 12 months. And I said to myself, I said, if my competition is taking their foot off the gas, I got to put both my feet on the gas. And that's what I did. And I really saw a tremendous, tremendous benefit in my business and a tremendous growth in my career through doing that. And in 2023, I decided that I would take the same mentality. 21 and 22 were just like gravy years for us. 23, I decided, you know, same thing. Head down, focus on my clients, focus on, on, on hustling, finding business, focus on selling deals. Yeah. Would I have taken that vacant Burger King a year or two ago? Probably not. Not my really my product type. But today or, or this year, I saw that as opportunity. So I don't know where we're at right now. I don't know where we'll be at the end of the year. But I believe that you know, thankfully, the the mentality of our brokers is a heads-down mentality. Again, I have to I have to pay attention to the market. I have to watch Jerome Powell whenever he speaks, because that, that helps me to be educated so I can provide value to my clients. But I have to also put blinders on to all of the, the noise that's out there, the clickbait that's out there, and just have my heads down focusing on my deal. So I know for me. Personally, I can speak to my, for myself, you know, this is going to be a great year. Uh, you know, two years ago was my best year. Last year was, you know, until last year, last year was my best year after that. Will this year be that quite that high? I don't think so. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm pleased with where I'm at personally.
1: Where do you gather, say the, the information that you do trust? I, I get that question often do cause it, cause it is, I mean, it's just, there's all kinds of stuff flying at you all the time, right? It's almost sickening how, you know, how much is just like hitting you in the face all the time. You don't know what to believe. But yeah. folks like yourself, who, you know, like, like you said, you got to watch the Fed closely, you got to think about these things. Well, what do you trust? Where do you got, gain your, your insight, your, your, you know, just the day to day what's happening?
0: Yes, I'm fortunate that every Monday, we meet as a group, all of our agents together. And, and there's not only do we talk about all the new listings, all the closings, but there's a lot of knowledge share and mind share where, where individuals speak about what they think is going on in the market. So that to me is very, very valuable. Um, you know, I follow certain people on LinkedIn that I think have, have a lot of knowledge, and wisdom. Um, I like to read QSR Magazine, Quick Service Restaurant Magazine, because I like Quick Service Restaurant deals. I, I think that CoStar puts out some great articles. You have to kind of look at them with a grain of salt because some of them can be kind of doom and gloom. But I like to, you know, every morning when I get in, you know, focus on all the articles that are there and, you know, sift through and see which ones pertain to my industries, my clients, my deals, and, you know, make sure I'm well read with with that. And then, you know, as, as a group, we do share articles all the time. I mean, there'll be, you know, all, all agent emails that have like, hey, this is a great article on what's going on with, you know, cha- the way that the BLS is changing the, you know, one year versus two year weights for CPI, for example. So I, I just like to, you know, run in circles of highly educated individuals who are constantly soaking up information. As part of that, we share with each other.
1: Yeah, that's some great advice right there, <laughs> running in circles with other other folks who care about those things, right? Yeah, uh, Dan, and and
0: for me too, like is the, the industry leaders, right? And that's how I really, you know, I, I'm very, like I said, I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have 16,000 followers. And when I first started getting active in, on LinkedIn, I, I found the top commercial real estate brokers, the people who I wanted to be like. And I started following them and seeing what they were saying. What links were they sharing? What books were they recommending? What was their opinion on things? And that really helped me because, you know, and that's one of the things I liked about LinkedIn is that I feel like you can really tailor your content to be able to grab the wisdom and knowledge from the people that you trust.
1: For sure. Dan, tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you.
0: Sure. So as I mentioned, I'm very active on LinkedIn. You can follow me there. Reach out, send a DM, connection request first name is Dan, last name Lukowitz, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. Again, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. You can Google my name. I've been on probably between 200 and 250 podcasts. So a lot of information I've shared there. Um, And then, you know, I'll give out my personal cell phone. So if anybody wants to reach out, if you have a deal, you want some eyes on the deal, please reach out. I'm happy to help. If you have a building that you own and you want to know what it's worth, Happy to provide that service for you. Um, and if there's anything I can do, you know, I, I love meeting new people and, and, and adding as much value as possible. My cell phone number is 248 943 2838. Again, 248 943 2838. And if there's anything I can do, it would be my pleasure to connect and be in touch.
1: Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today.